All right, Tim. Ah. It's been, wa- it's been a while. It's right? been a while. Yeah, you, you we had a, we had an off week, and uh, so the question is, how was the shoot? How did the movie go? Actually, pretty fantastic. That's uh, great. It's so funny. It's so 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 so. Even if I say so to myself, and I look, man, I'm too old to be humble. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm out of that business. Yeah. It was actually just fantastic. Uh, young actress. Uh, I engaged to play that part. Her name is Cy Lockett. She is just fantastic on screen. Pops right off the screen with energy and joy and beauty and smarts and sassiness. Uh, we hired some really, really great SAG actors. I did a little bit of work in the movie. It's not too bad. But mostly, it's just, you know, it's a testament to what you can do. Yeah. Um, with a damn good Sony uh, A7S II. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice Nikon lenses in a little bit of time. Yeah. An effort. You can make a movie, guys. You can make a movie, and it'll be pretty good. So, you know, I look I look That's forward true. to all of you uh, seeing it. Uh, yeah, as I do, too. And I've read the script, and uh, based on the dailies that I've seen, you you pretty much nailed exactly what I was seeing in the script. So It's it neat when you get happy. to actually make a mo- make the movie in your head. Yeah. You and I, you know, we've participated yeah. and made right, as writer, as yeah. producer, as this, that, or the other thing on many films, docs, and, and features in many capacities. And, and they're all great. You know, I've been a screenwriter. I've been all, all that kind of thing. But yeah. at the end of the day, no, no film that I've ever contributed to it, it ever came out to, to be the movie in my head. Mm-hmm. No, no screenplay I ever wrote. Yeah. And, and plenty, they're plenty good. I like those movies. They're nice movies, good movies. Yeah. Not the movies in my head. Not once, not ever. Yeah. This movie is the movie in my head. And I couldn't be happier it's, about it. Uh, it. It reminds me of that great Billy Wilder quote when he said, because, um, you know, Wilder was a writer for Lubitsch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he wrote, uh, he was already, and you know, he wrote Ninochka for crying out loud. And uh, uh, when he was asked why he uh, wanted to start directing, he said, I've, <laughs> it's classic Billy Wilder quote, if I was going to let some, and he, I think he used more colorful language than this, <laughs> so I'm going to sanitize it. But he said, uh, if somebody was going to screw up my scripts, I figured it might as well be me. <laughs> that's, and, and that's, so. Isn't that the bottom line, though? Yeah. And, you know, not that everybody on the planet has to be an auteur, but, yeah. you know, I, I'm just at that, that, that no, if, if I'm going to jack it, I, I'm perfectly happy for everyone to hate this movie yeah. because it's mine. Mm-hmm. It would bug the hell out of me if uh, somebody else and yeah. some other and some other, and then it, because then I'd be like, no, 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 but but, but no, I would have I would have done no, no, I'm okay. This is me. This is exactly what I intend. That's great, and I actually think it is pretty cute. That's fantastic. Cannot wait. How uh, how long do you think you're you're gonna need for uh, for a cut? Well, you know, uh, I mean, you know, again, you know that yeah. process as well as I do. Uh, I'm gonna go real slow and easy and work my way into it and try to see if I can get a a, a real sort of loose, uh, sh- uh, shabby. First cut in about three weeks. Oh, that's great. Loose, 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 loose. Because yeah. it's, it's sort of a linear movie. It sort of yeah. moves forward. It's not super-duper complicated. Yeah. It's mostly people talking. Uh, it's kind of a before sunset, before sunrise kind of thing. A little bit of my dinner with Andre. Uh, it's mostly people talking. You know, are you, are you thinking of submitting to Sundance? You, you, you look, because first week in October, I believe, is the Sundance deadline. If you had some kind of an assembly cut, I could, I could very well do that. You could and submit sure, that. I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. Weird thing about Sundance, we talk about it all the time on the show. Yeah. It's funny when we talk about it in, in, with respect to our own thing. Yeah, Sundance, kind of the touch of uh, death. It, it a little bit, yeah. A little bit. I mean, yeah. maybe not that. I put it put it like this: doesn't have the for sure box office cachet that it used to have. No, that's true. I mean, it's uh, you, you know, Sundance has been. 
boy, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the festivals that have focused on indie films traditionally, Sundance and Telluride and LA Film Fest and and Tribeca, they've they've either lost their luster in the the streaming era, mm-hmm. the 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 current era that we're in, this this weird democratized era. Uh, of where people put things on YouTube and you know where you sort of aren't the you aren't the filter right that you you aren't the the gatekeeper that you used to be, um, or they've had to change. You mm-hmm. know, Telluride now does big premieres. Yeah, Telluride figures we're we're concurrent with Toronto. We got to compete with Toronto. Uh, so uh, it's very interesting how how all that has changed. And Tribeca has done a little bit of that too. You yeah, know, South by Southwest. Is South as by much Southwest. About music as it is anything else. Yeah, so. and 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 you know, South by Southwest has has been uh, suffering from a lot of the uh, the Sundance fallout too. I mean, yeah. you know, you see a lot of these movies come out of South by Southwest. Hey, audience award, and then it takes three three years for somebody to pick to it pick up. Pick it up because you know what? Yeah. Nobody want to actually see that movie yeah. except for you. So, so, so you know, yeah, uh, that's a thing to think about. Yeah, uh, and. At the end of the day, a little you know Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. Yeah. This this is the place. I mean, my, that little movie will probably get picked up. I'm, I'm sure it'll get picked up. It's it'll a have se- a little life. It's a seller's market. But now. it's a seller's market. It's a yeah. seller's market. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, true. Yes. So uh, the other the other elephant in the room we should talk about is uh, the the whole James Gunn fiasco. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, I I made a prediction. I said he'd be rehired by the end of uh, July. Didn't happen. Mm. So so much for that prediction. But everybody is. Man, I'll tell you, it's it's getting pretty fierce out there. The cast, Dave Batista was Dave, the first one. I saw one. him today, yeah. He was the first one to come out and say, I'm really, really mad. And then uh, what's-his-face who plays the, uh, the, 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 southern, the guy with the southern accent, plays the blue-faced guy. Um, oh, 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 I forget his name too, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he left Twitter because of it. He was just so mad. Uh, and then everybody else came. And then they had the cast thing where, uh, where uh, uh, Chris... Uh, oh, Chris uh, uh, Pratt. Where Chris Pratt, Pratt made a very not very nice Christian boy yeah. uh, way of summing up everybody's profane feelings about this. <laughs> he just said, you know, it says in the Bible, I was like, I, you could tell Chris Pratt was like, simmer down, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Just calm down. Let's just treat this nicely. Uh, but Dave Batista's been just fierce. Yeah. I mean, his thing yesterday was was fascinating. And I'll do my what I'm contractually obligated, but this isn't the movie I signed up for. Well, contractual obligations notwithstanding. As a matter of fact, I, I, I would be really kind of surprised if somewhere in some of the, like, you know, Vin Diesel, I have to imagine that Vin Diesel can just walk away because he's Vin Diesel, and somewhere in his contract there's always a way for Vin Diesel to walk away. I can imagine Vin Diesel's people... Um, uh, have him, uh, but Woody? I don't know. Um, the, this is this is the real problem, though. Who 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 wants to go and direct that movie? Yeah. Uh, you, you, look, dude. I just finished my little movie. Yeah. If out of the sky they would have dropped what a two million dollar check and say, Tim, take on no. No, <laughs> I'm no. not hanging around with Dave Batista every no, day. No, on James Gunn's movie. No, pissed, pissed off. off what the hell there. would I do that? Yeah. So who directs this movie? This yeah. isn't like the situation well, with Ron Howard and those boys from this the is, other movie. This is the question that has to be going on at Disney. And you know, Disney's an interesting place. Disney is uh, they are they are obsessive about protecting the brand. Mm. Uh, even though there's nobody over there that actually believes in the brand. I mean, let's be honest. You know, there's there if, if, if nobody. The things that that uh, James Gunn was fired for writing, which none of which, it's all. It, you know, yes, they were bad jokes. They were yeah, poor. But taste. that's what they were. Bad jokes. They and were poor bad taste. jokes. It was. In, he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't mean to hurt anybody. He didn't encourage anybody to be hurt. He, there's nothing. No one was harmed by those tweets. They were just dumb, and they were a decade ago. And the and there, there is a. We do this thing that bugs me. We talk about it all yeah, the time. Yeah. Intention. 
we pretend like we do not understand people's I, intention. James was trying to be funny and edgy and, you know, and and, and, I, and we act like that he's some sort of sociopath when he plainly isn't. It is so bizarre. And it so transcends politics because even though, yes, it was a, a far-right provocateur on, you know, who went and kind of uh, threw this and, and raised the ruckus here, the, the brass at Disney, they're, they're all kind of big lefties. And I have been arguing for two weeks with people who are both far left and far right mm. over this, both of whom are like, stupid gun, all mad at him. Yeah, he was, he was, he was defending, you know, Ben Shapiro. Uh, he, was, he was encouraging pedophilia. I'm like, I'm sorry, both of you are insane. <laughs> you are so wrong. Neither thing is true, Neither and it doesn't, and it wouldn't, and it didn't, doesn't matter anyhow. Uh, th- this guy, leave him alone. Yeah. He, he says, I'm a different person now. I made a mistake. It was in bad taste. To be honest with you, that's the only issue that I've actually had with this. I, I, I think James is, uh, I mean, people can do what they want, uh, but I think his approach to it is wrong. I, I, yeah. I, I think he should have said, hey, 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 look, guys, I was trying to be funny. He, he, and, and he said that. He said, I was trying to be provocative and it didn't provocative, work. Provocative, it didn't work out. Uh, I've done worse, yeah. I promise you. Yeah. And I, but I'm not, gonna, I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm not going to apologize. For simply trying to do my work in the way that the work is done. He's a he, comedian. He wrote Tromeo and Juliet. I kind of want to grab the people at Disney and go, I'm sorry, have you actually seen Tromeo and Juliet? Because if these, twe- like, these tweets upset you, but that movie doesn't? Are you kidding me? It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Come on. Yeah. Um, so I still, you know, this is the thing. We had an interesting little experience with Disney ourselves through LAFCA last year where uh, the... Ah, yes. There was an L.A. Times piece, for those, and then we'll summarize this very quickly. There was an L.A. Times piece uh, that kind of was delving into some rather nasty little matters with the city of Anaheim, Mm -hmm. which owns the land on which the Disneyland parking structure sits. Mm -hmm. And Disneyland has some kind of like permanent in perpetuity lease on that land for $5 a a decade or some outrageous. It's it's truly ridiculous. It's outrageous. I mean, the city, I think, makes maybe 20 million dollars over you know a 10 year period or something it's it's very very little money that uh, that the city actually makes on it compared to what disney pulls in you know it's 20 dollars per car and there's yeah. thousands of cars every day i mean it's ridiculous so um i mean you figured you know 20 20,000 cars a day yeah. at 20 dollars a piece that's a half what is that uh, it's a half a million dollars a day off, million just million off of, just off of parking day, just from parking just from parking there's no overhead on that. Yeah, it's <laughs> dirt. You're paying three people who run the booths. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, and the city gets next to nothing. Anyway, the LA Times did a big expose on this and talked about it. Disney threw a fit. Said uh, LA Times is against Disney, uh, the Disney Corporation, so we're not going to allow your uh, film critics to see our movies anymore. Yeah, Justin Which, Chang and a few other members of our group. Yeah. So uh, that raised the hackles of our group and other critics groups, all of whom said. Fine, Disney movies are officially ineligible for awards yeah. uh, with all of our groups, which uh, Disney then backed off. Paper yeah. Tiger time. And I, they backed off a lot faster than I thought they would. I really thought they'd go to the wall and play chicken with us for, uh, for a little bit, and they didn't. So uh, on behalf of filmmakers and people, you know, like, like uh, uh, Ava DuVernay and yeah. some others were, were very, very supportive going out there on Twitter and saying, I support the L.A. Film Critics. And she had a wrinkle, yeah, in, wrinkle time in time coming up. Coming up yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, this Disney, to keep, to keep the peace and so that this wouldn't turn into a fiasco, they exterminated it immediately and it was extinguished and mm-hmm. it was done and it didn't linger. I think they're trying to figure out the same thing now because if you don't hire James Gunn back, this will linger. 
Mm-hmm. And exactly like you said, some what whoever gets hired to do this is not you know Batista's not going to be on the press tour saying nice things, no. and others aren't going to say nice things. They've already come out and f- saying they want their director back, and uh, this will become a thing when the third film gets made with another director. That yeah. becomes a thing. It resurrects all over again. But you you get it out of the way now, it's done. And this and here's the simple way to do it. Simply say. We were wrong. Just say that. You know, whoever you, you don't need, it doesn't have to be. You yeah. know, the just spokesperson. Tom. Yeah. You know, throw throw a spokes lady under the bus. We made a mistake. Uh, we've reviewed our policy. Come to a clearer understanding about what we about what it is we yeah. intend to communicate. Uh, we understand Mr. Gunn's intention, and that he you know, just say all I, of that. Give the man his job back, and you know what? By the time this movie comes out, we will have forgotten about this shit. There is a very. This is what marketing people get paid for. They yeah. don't get paid to to do uh, g- generic campaigns. It is not difficult to promote uh, Christopher Robin. It really isn't. That's not a. That's a no brainer. Yeah. That's a, that's an easy thing. Uh, your marketing people come into bi- come into play when you have situations like this. How do we sell this message? in a way that it does not adversely affect stock price, it keeps the shareholders happy, et cetera, et cetera, so forth and so on. You're going to be fine. Seriously, Disney in in two years, yeah. this is three years, yeah. if you'd make this go away now, it's, uh, nobody cares. Just be wrong. It's just okay wrong. to it's be okay. wrong. Yeah. I just don't get that. That's what I'm what, – how come nobody wants to be wrong? I just, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I was wrong about that. Yeah, yeah, made a mistake. Sorry, James. <laughs> well, this is, uh, but this is this is where we are in the culture now. Yeah. Nobody wants to be wrong. Just be wrong, man. I, yeah. If I were a Disney exec, this is the the, the, the bright Disney exec is the one that goes into the office and says, "Hey, guys, yep, I'll take the heat for this. Uh, uh, I'll take the heat. Give me the mic. I'll go out there. I'll tell everybody it was my stupid idea. I jacked it. I screwed it up. I'll go on vacation. I'll come back in December, and we'll press on from there. There you go. And no one will care. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, sorry about it. So all right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna dive into the show here, and uh, we're uh, we're going to uh, start off with some anime, and uh, some really this is a this is a great week for anime. Most of it is Funimation, but we got some other really really cool stuff uh, here. And from Kraken releasing uh, the live-action first uh, collection of the Garo TV series. And um, this is really actually much better than I was expecting it to be. There, the you know we've, we've talked about some of the live-action Garo in the past. Mm. And uh, um, this, is, uh, this is episodes 1 through 13, collection 1. Uh, Makai Senki, uh, the Garo TV series Makai Senki. Uh, the you know for, for those who don't know the thing this is like a re- a much better version of Power Rangers uh, you know you have the Makai Knights uh, which is what uh, Makai Senki means it's the Makai Knights and they have to fight these uh, these things called the horrors which are these you know basically really they they look like if all those ridiculous costumes and Power Rangers were actually physical appendages that's kind of what this would be anyway. Um, it's, it's kind of humans versus aliens, humans versus monsters. It's a, it's a standard thing. But uh, the, uh, the the whole mythical Lord of the Ringsy thing going to it, which specifically deals with the, uh, the, the, the Garo armor, and that's what Garo means. It's an armor that you wear that kind of, you know, gives you, like, wolf abilities. Um, it, it, it's, it's really, really cool. It's a, it's, this is the first time that I've actually seen the, the mythology of Garo actually kind of emerge in, a, in an interesting way. And 
comparatively, also want to mention that there's another Garo, and this one's out from uh, Funimation, and this is the animated Garo. This is Garo Divine Flame, and uh, it, which I, you know, I the I watching the TV stuff first, and then the Divine Flame second. It makes more sense, actually. So this is about uh, two uh, uh, Makai knights, and particularly on Alfonso, who have to um, f- deal with a very different kind of a horror. But I found it interesting that the live action actually framed the mythology for me in a way that previous uh, efforts, animation and live action, did not. Mm-hmm. And as a result, this animation works better for me. So I'm going to say, you got, if you're if you're into Garo, check out from uh, Kraken releasing the uh, Garo TV series Makasenke Collection One, and then that will help you uh, if you're not sort of fully initiated in this world. That will also help you get a better grasp on Garo Divine Flame Blu-ray and DVD combo. Uh, the TV set is just a DVD. Pretty great stuff. Uh, then we also have. Uh, from the Sente collection, a couple, uh, you know, big-eyed, cute girl uh, installments. <laughs> they, they always are. You know, it's all all girls in high school and teen stuff. I just, I, I almost want to go to Japan and just make a documentary about teenagers in Japan and interview them and just say, are you really as kind of, is, is, is your life really as tweaked and weird as it's depicted in anime? Uh, and I know they're just going to roll their eyes and go, we don't know where that yeah. comes from. A bunch of dirty old men those sitting are, in a basement. Those are our grandparents. We have nothing <laughs> to do right. with that. Uh, Battle Girl High School. It wasn't like my high, <laughs> my high school wasn't like this. Uh, so anyway, this is uh, this is the usual kind of uh, you know kids saving the world thing. Alien invaders are attacking the earth, and uh, gotta have all these cute little girls who know how to fight and and wield some power. They're the ones that have to take it all on. Uh, they you know they there's a magic tree that gives them these magical powers, and it's all it's all very uh, nonsensical, but it's fun in a weird kind of tweaked way. <laughs> Uh, a little bit slightly more down to earth is Long Riders, and there's an exclamation point at the end of that. Long Riders, uh, twelve episodes on two discs, and um, this is uh, this is all about um, cycle culture, cycling culture, bicycling culture in Japan. And uh, you know we've had them where they where they where they do you know water polo and volleyball, and there's all all kinds of weird sports oriented school things in anime. And uh, this is uh, this is another one of them, uh, you know, f- girl with a folding bicycle and a um, bunch of friends who all love cycling, and it becomes basically just another one of those Japanese anime shows with uh, cycling as the obsession, as opposed to saving the earth from aliens. But it is what it is. Um, what I find interesting too is, you know, the Tour de France ended not too long ago, right after the World Cup, and mm. I'm a soccer lunatic, and my wife is a cycling lunatic, and so we went from watching me watching World Cup at four in the morning to my wife watching uh, me waking up and the TV's on and she's cheering on the <laughs> the, the tour at, at seven in the morning. So uh, Ooh, some uh, some guy, not not a French guy, who who won that? The, it was a, it was a, the uh, the Welshman this the year. The Welshman, the Welshman, who's the teammate of the of of uh, Chris Froome, who won you know who's won like three of the last four or whatever. Chris Froome, who's English, yeah. So it's his Welsh teammate uh, that that won the whole thing, which you know was. Kind of, kind of interesting and neat, and cheered him on, and, and it was and all good. Unexpected, it seemed. It, it was. Me. It was yeah. very unexpected. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Until Bradley Wiggins won the tour, who was then teammates with Chris Froome, uh, no one from the the United Kingdom had ever won the tour. Mm. 
I mean, it was, you know, there were just weren't British cyclists. They were all Belgian, French, and Luxembourg, yeah, and Italians, and Spanish. You know, is they, they were all the places where, where you have the Pyrenees and the Alps. Mm-hmm. That's, that's Those mountain know, climbers. Those mountain climbers. That's, yeah. that's what it was. And, and it's become much more internationalized. But what's interesting is some of the best cyclists, and there's even some Colombians now, you know, because there's some cycling culture in South America, and there's some Colombians who are getting into the into Well, what's the thing. funny, of course, is that for many, many, many years, we know it was a bunch of Americans yeah, uh, and it uh, has the tour recovered. Uh, kind of. Uh, the, the there was a Chris Froome controversy this year. Why are we talking about cycling? I have no idea. Why don't we slip off into that? You're right. The anime thing got us off on it. No, it, it kind of. Uh, I'll, I'll just detour on this because Chris Froome had a. Um, they 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 tried to ban him from the tour this year because he's what he was trying for was to do sort of the 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 grand tour victory like to win the the Giro d'Italia and to win the the uh, the, the Vuelta and mm-hmm. and and then to win the Tour de France. He wanted to do the whole kind of like the grand slam grand right? slam of tennis yeah. And which is almost impossible to do. It requires more physical stamina than anybody would could possibly muster in a single year. But uh it came close. Mm. And the um the, but he had a weird test uh, which was not for banned substance, but it was a, a substance that he had a little bit too much of a high concentration of, and they're always neurotic about that because yeah. it might be masking something. And so they, they exercised a weird part of their charter that said, uh, we can ban somebody even if they didn't fail a drug test, if we feel that they might reflect negatively and damage the image of the tour, mm-hmm. then we're going to keep them out. Like if you, let's say you punched your wife or something, mm-hmm. well, then they'll say we're going to kick you out because it's bad for the tour's image. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, and which they're very sensitive about, given yeah, you know, that victory. Very. Yeah. Uh, and they, they exercised that clause, and he's like, yeah, the hell you will. And he, and he sued and took them to court, and I guess they were disallowed from exercising that part of their charter in that way. Mm. So I don't, again, French courts are, are a weird place. Uh, I have a little bit of familiarity with it, you know, from when I lived there, uh, people who had to do, like, like two people who couldn't, like a guy who could not marry his girlfriend or his kids from his first marriage would have a claim on his second wife's property. I was like, how the hell does that work? And he tried to explain. I was like, that's, you know, that's got to go back to some uh, Louis Louis the uh, Fourteenth uh, yeah. type. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> some some Napoleonic era yeah. edict or something that nobody's bothered to. Re- anyway, whatever. So, all right, let's let's blow through the rest of these Funimations. Uh, Assassination Classroom, the movie, three sixty five days time. Look, Assassination cl- uh, Classroom is one of the weirdest things to ever show up on on anime. This does not resolve it in any way. It's still weird. It's kind of funny. Um, you know, the idea of this bizarre alien as a school teacher, and it's just, it, it's, it's really, really off the wall. I, you know, the, teaching kids to kill, it's just very strange. Mm. It's, there's no conceivable way to make it make sense. Uh, you just have to watch it, and if you're a fan, you're going to laugh yourself delirious. If you're not, you watch it, and you just think this is, whoever did this is deranged and sick in the head. Uh, a Centaur's Life, the complete series. Uh, this is uh, all of these, by the way, all of these from Funimation are DVD and Blu-ray combo sets. Uh, sometimes they'll only do DVD. Sometimes they'll only do Blu-ray. All of these today are, are combos, and they are all, they're actually all really pretty good, uh, give or take weird stuff like Assassination Classroom. Uh, Centaur's Life, the complete series. Another, uh, this is another high school thing, except this time it's a centaur in high school. Ah. Uh, who who thinks up this stuff? Seriously. Uh, you know, and then uh, well, okay, whatever. Uh, so um, you know, adorable centaur in high school. I don't know I don't know what else to tell you. That sounds fun. You're going to knock knock yourself out. Uh, Alice and Zoroku the complete series. Uh, 
I, this is this is uh, give it time. This will this will kind of work on you. This is there's a really really this is really really well written, but it's it's kind of slow in the going, and uh, it's worth kind of investing some time in. Some of these things I will sit and I'll just sort of blow through the episodes just to sort of get the feel of it, uh, realizing I'm never going to make sense of it. This is really really interesting. It's very. This is very sweet, very serious. It's fully dramatic. There's no weird mystery stuff, no weird comedy stuff going on, no no science fiction, none of that. Uh, this is, um, I mean, it's there, there's a there's a genre aspect to it in the sense that there's a little girl who has kind of the, the power to make her imagination come to life. Mm. But really, it's it's ultimately about her relationship with the with this older man. And it, it reminds me a lot of that Takeshi Kitano film oh, where he, um, with the little kid, yeah, uh, Kiku Kokoriku, or I, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. But uh, it, it has that kind of feel with a slight supernatural tinge to it. But that's not what it's it's really about. It's about that relationship. It's a beautiful relationship. Uh, I Tenshi Muyo, the complete series. This is part of the Tenshi universe. And, uh, you know, it, it, this goes really kind of off the rails. There's, like, uh, sorcery and magic, and the universe is completely disintegrating, and, um, you know, the kids in the student council have to save the universe. I don't know. Something like that. Kajuro. Kajuro. Yeah. You know which one. Kajuro. Something like that. It gets yeah. stuck in my head. Same here. Um, all right, and then um, here's a couple that I, a couple of them, the monster ones that I actually thought were uh, were kind of cool. Uh, monster Hunter Stories, right on season one, part three. I the Monster Hunter stuff I don't really particularly like. Uh, the there's no way to put together the, the the story here. I don't remember what season one, part two, one and two were all about. It's just gone right out of my head. Yeah. I kind of sort of remembered a little bit, jumped through a lot of this. But the animation's fun, and I know it has some following. Puzzle and Dragon X Part 3, similar thing. A lot of really cool animation. Uh, you know, the, the whole idea of the dragon world. If you're kind of into... This is sort of like uh, like how to train your dragon on uh, on acid. <laughs> That's what it is. That's really what it is. It's uh, exactly what it is. It's just out of... It's, if you ever saw like how to train your dragon, you thought, this needs to be a lot more psychedelic and make less sense and have cooler animation. Yeah. That's what Puzzle and Dragon is. Puzzle and Dragon X Part 3. Uh, and then we've got um, Sayuki Reload Blast. Uh, this is a really kind of a, a curious fantasy horror thing. Uh, and and, and I, I'm, I'm going to probably have to take a look at it again because I want to like it more than I did. Uh, you know, it's uh, fighting demons and, uh, and all that kind of stuff again. But it's got, a, it's got a really, really a great tinge to its artwork. And I was probably watching the artwork more than listening to it. So for now, I'm going to say Sayuki Reload Blast. Uh, I can't really tell you what it's about, but it looks awful. Uh, <laughs> it looks awesome. Awesome. Should, should, not awful. Awesome. Uh, and then uh, two more here, Nanbaka Part One. Uh, so this is uh, a little. What was the prison show with uh, Ernie Hudson uh, on HBO? Uh, what was Oz. It? Oz. Thank you. Lock him down. Okay. So this is like uh, this is like a really insane Japanese animated version of Oz. Um, it takes place in a prison called Nanba, and uh, it it just it. In a, in a way, I almost say this is like a weird animated version of uh, Orange's uh, New Black. Mm. Maybe that's a better analogy. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah, that might be a. Uh, anyway, takes place in a prison. 
and it's it's a little bit sadistic and it's sometimes funny and uh it, it's just it's kind of crazy so nunbaka part one and then lastly is a uh, live action movie i am a hero which is also based on uh, a, a a manga a horror manga and uh i kind of feel like um I, I, i'm torn as to whether this this is you know i i'm not familiar with any any animated version of this i'm torn as to whether or not this would have been better in animation or in live action it's uh it's interesting i think maybe they're just a tiny bit too slavishly faithful to the manga in doing it as live action but mm. still uh some some interesting stuff in it uh until it gets into cannibalism and the virus zombie viruses and then it gets a little bit gross but uh that's okay i'm a hero live action movie certainly will uh, be of interest to people who are fans of the manga so, with that, we are done, and shall we dive into some new movies? Um, new movies, indeed. Uh, the Equalizer, I think, uh, The Equalizer 2, is still doing pretty well in box office right now. I did not see it. Did you see it? Yeah, I did, actually. It's very good. Yeah. Solid. Funny. I liked it better than this, The Equalizer 2014, Denzel Washington and Antoine Fuqua. Now in 4K. I, yeah, in 4K. And, and this is nice. All kinds of great stuff on here, but five never-before-seen uh, deleted scenes, which were actually pretty neat. Interesting to me, though, I like the new movie better than this movie. Of course, The Equalizer is from the uh, 1980s, early 80s series, Edward yep. Woodward, you know, and all the, that yeah. guy. And they just went a different way with this, you know. And, and it really, it just didn't seem to have anything other than the guy's name, McCall, you know. Yeah. Uh, it didn't seem to have anything whatsoever. To, you know, Edward wore that suit with the tie, mm -hmm. and he wore the and he had the young guy who did all the actual yeah. hard work, you know. Yeah. And he just sort of stood around being very British. <laughs> He's like, you know, yeah. and, and Denzel is like this bald guy in yeah. like a, his outfit. I'm like that's not the but whatever. Well, Denzel plays it more like his, like Man on Fire. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what it is. Exactly. And, and, which is what I think they want to do. They didn't do a sequel to Man on Fire for rights reasons. You know, if you remember, Man on Fire was done previously with Scott Glenn, right? Uh, which was not so good. And then they did it with uh, with Denzel, directed yeah. by Tony Scott, Tony Scott, who at the time decided I'm I'm going to see if I can make a whole movie around Denzel and not have a single continuous cut in the whole movie. Yeah. Which he did. That movie is cut like like somebody just lost their oh, mind. Oh, he, he, he Tony Scott the hell out of it. He, he just like the, like like he like like he did the last action hero. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. He did the same yeah, thing back and, then. Yeah. And and he uh, anyway, it's all it's all chopped to ribbons, but it, it it's it's great. And I think with with this, what they said was, why don't we take the Edward Woodward TV show and then take Denzel from Man on Fire and just do a cool mashup, yeah. and I think we'll we'll have something. You know, drop Man on Fire Denzel into. The premise of the equalizer, of the equalizer, you and know. it worked. And this one, the uh, Russian mob uh, with you know the girl, yeah. he has to help her, that kind of thing. So it's 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 fine, it's sharp. Um, you know, not the television show in any yeah. way, shape. Oddly, the new one very much in line with the television oh, show. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, why didn't they do that? The anyway, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. Uh, 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 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray Digital. All kinds of stuff on this. Uh, you know, Denzel and Antoine, they're getting to be like uh, Ford and Wayne. Yeah. Man, they got right. the Magnificent Seven. They got the Equalizers, two Equalizers. They got Training Day. They got the, I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, it's when, when a director finds a suitable alter ego as, say, Scorsese did with De Niro for, mm -hmm. for many years, mm -hmm. too, mm -hmm. and certainly Ford did with, with Wayne, yeah, when you find an acceptable alter ego and you, you develop a shorthand, uh, you know, then there's, there's sort of no reason to, I mean, you want to keep going back because you just, you, you start to, you start to see every movie yeah. with that actor in it. And yeah. you know that you don't need to give them too much direction. 
and they and, and they right. move and they plainly move through the material like I, butter. I, I guarantee you, it's uh, you know I remember, I remember it was uh, I forget who I who I, I was interviewing. It was uh, I can't remember, but I was interviewing a director once about working with Depardieu, and Depardieu is one of those actors who you just don't need to give any direction to. Yeah, and he said, you know, he'd pull him aside and go, "Why don't we?" And 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 Gerard would just go. I got it. I got it. No, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. You're like, but I didn't say anything. How do you? And then he'd go and he'd get in front of the camera and action, and he just nails it. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, how did he know? Yeah. And I guarantee you, Denzel is that kind of guy too. He, you, you know, know yeah. he, Especially with Antoine, it's just Antoine could just kind of kind of look at him and go, "Could you?" Yes. And and there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because look, he's gonna save you time and money. M- money. He's gonna Denzel it. Yeah. The question is, which one of which one? You know, is this going to be A seven or, or, yeah, or B three? Right. You know, pull out the B three, and and you're, and you're there with it, and you just sort of knock it out. So neat. Um, breaking in, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, Gabrielle Union breaking in and happened to cover this one on the show. Payback as a mother, which yeah. I thought was neat because the film <laughs> opened on Mother's Day, and the, the just James McTeague, uh, who's you know yeah. a hand, yeah. James. You know, he's yeah. no, he's no Antoine, but he's a hand. He gets yeah. it. He gets it done fairly decently. Um, uh, so, so this isn't brilliant or anything, but that's why it works. Bottom line is, it's very simple. Yeah. You got this mom, and these bad guys kidnap her kids. Mm-hmm. All right, well, you screwed up right there. Yeah. You're gonna now. You're gonna all die. Yeah. And, and, and the just that's exactly what happens. You, you took my kids, and now I got to kill you all. It's it, Liam Neeson turns into a woman. Thank you. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. And, uh, and you shouldn't I, have done that. I I would love to have been in the room. When one of those adver- when whichever advertising person it was <laughs> sat there, and you know this was a the moment they're just sitting there as they always do, just stroking their beards and their glasses and thinking and tapping their foreheads, and and some dude or some girl said, "I got it. Payback is a mother," <laughs> and the whole room just erupted and went, "Yeah, Woo! yeah!" You know, because it, it kind of works. Yeah, this has an an alternative opening. Uh, which is interesting commentary with the director on it and in, uh, in, in the screenwriter. Anyway, it's a really, really neat thre- uh, thriller, thriller in and of itself, and this has some neat stuff on it, though. Break it in, Gabrielle Union. Uh, did you like Life of the Party? Did you say You know. No, uh, me neither. Uh, it, it, look, Miss McCarthy is... I don't know, man. It's just, you know, I mean, I get it, but I don't, but I don't, but I just don't get it. She's funny, but, but her, the way her movies work are like this, particularly when she's working with her husband. Who plainly loves her very much and will not say no to her. Yeah. Melissa. That's yeah. No, stop now, Melissa. It won't you just go back to the script, Melissa. Yeah. Uh, because these movies that she makes, they have they have these moments where she just starts doing that routine, and it's funny, but it's has nothing whatsoever to do with the movie. And the movies grind to a halt. Yeah. And then eventually she gets back on script and the movie yeah. goes on from there. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that's just starting to bug me. It was true in that spy movie that she did, yeah. which, by the way, is not true in the Kate McKinnon, uh, 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 Mila Kunis spy movie, which yeah. opened this past week. We're talking yeah. about. So, like, same thing, right? Yeah. So the spies out of place, their movie works, her movie did not. Yeah. Why? Because they're actually doing the movie. Yeah. yeah. They're doing scenes from the movie in which they are funny. She just does her little thing. Yeah. Billy Crystal used to do that, so I'm not just beating up on him. He used to do that sometimes, too. Anyway, um, old school, uh, she ends up in, in college with her daughter and makes friends with all her daughter's friends. And 
Uh, it's a neat premise, a sort of Rodney Dangerfield sort of, uh, you know, 80s kind of premise, you know? Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just wish that she would make the movie and stop doing jokes. Blu-ray, DVD, digital, lots and lots of stuff. Um, well, yeah, a few things on here to, to check out, deleted scenes and the gag reel and whatnot. Okay. You know, somewhere there's uh, somebody that uh, I would like to hit over the head with a baseball bat. And that person <laughs> is the person that said, you know, what would be a great movie to remake? Overboard. Ah, uh, what what were you thinking? You, yeah. that person, whoever you, whoever you are, Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, of course, about middle middle eighties. Yeah, the but, original but, movie. But but the, here here's what happens in the mid eighties. Somebody's written a script for Overboard. It's a spec script or something that's floating around, yeah. and somebody reads it, and then they look over next to them, and they see a picture of Kurt and Goldie on yeah. the on the National Enquirer, the stars or the people or something, and they think. We can get Kurt and Goldie to be in this together. Yeah. Instant marketing yes. thing, right? Yes. Because everybody's paying attention. They're the hot Hollywood couple. They're yeah. the thing. They're and they the had thing. a run there where they did three or four of them. And uh, they did the Bird a, on a Wire. Yeah, and they, they had a run. Yeah, there, 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 were, there were a few of them. Bird on a Wire was Mel. but That but was Mel. That was right. Mel. I'm sorry, yeah. But, but yeah, but I know what you mean. They're, they're, they're like a couple of it. Anyway, so what person right now says, let's remake a movie that nobody remembers, yeah. and let's replace the couple that was in it at the time. that had huge, of, huge movie stars let's that everybody knew. Huge stars. Let's replace Goldie with Anna Faris, mm. who's not as popular as Goldie, but who's Goldie-like. Yeah, she's, but she's, she's, she's like today's Goldie. She's a television actress. She's a television actress, which means nothing. And let Kurt Russell, we can replace his star power. With Eugenio Derbez. And I God bless Eugenio, and he's very funny, and I like him. The Mexican, he's a Mexican actor, very, yeah. very famous Mexican movie star. But you Nobody know what? knows who he is. Nobody north of uh, Galveston yeah. has any idea no. who the hell he is, and that's what? all there is to it. Anyway. You know, and yeah, so anyway, that's just no good. We've talked about this more than it deserves. The Blu-ray DVD uh, combo set also comes with a uh, digital copy, uh, which is still technically ultraviolet over at, uh, at Lionsgate. But what's interesting to me, if I may point this out, is that they're not calling it ultraviolet anymore on this. It says, includes digital copy, code may not be valid after 2020. Now... Uh, I find that to be interesting because uh, this would normally have called it ultraviolet, which technically still exists, but I know everybody's on, in talks to join movies anywhere, and once Lionsgate and, uh, and uh, HBO and, you know, I think it's uh, Paramount who's still holding out, once they're all on board, uh, sky's the limit for that format. Uh, you Were Never Really Here has been getting a lot of attention, too. This one... Um, uh, uh, best Actor and Best Screenplay at Cannes. Joaquin Phoenix, this was one of those Sundance movies that actually had a little bit of traction yeah. uh, beyond it. Uh, financed by Amazon Studios. And uh, I am, look, I'm a big fan of Lynn Ramsey. Uh, I think she's an enormously talented writer-director, but I also think that she's got a, a weird little sadism streak mm. uh, that may be a little bit too excessive. I'm not sure if that's because she's doing what Catherine Bigelow did early in her career, which is, say, 
Uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna make boy movies better than boys. Exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go more sadistic, more grueling, more brutal. I'm gonna show you that I can uh, I can outdo the boys. Kath, Kath, Kathleen, she was near dark, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is a great movie. And but Mimi Leader, yeah. Mimi Leader was 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 kind of pigeonholed doing that for a minute too. Yeah, Peacemaker with Clooney yeah. once you came off of ER. Exactly. And I don't, and I don't blame her. It's I don't like, either. You know, yeah, you know that's that's what you you guys want. I'll, I'll act like the boys. I'll do it like the boys. Everybody loves this movie. I don't. Love it. I think it's it's got it's very good, but I do think it pushes it a little too hard. It, it's a little too brutal for me. Uh, maybe that's because I'm a parent now. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it's based on a book, Jonathan Ames. It's basically Taxi Driver. You know, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, you know, has PTSD, and he and it and it you know it just it's like the Equalizer, except not with Denzel with yeah. a cra- with a <laughs> crazy bearded Joaquin <laughs> instead of Denzel. That's what it is. Uh, but anyway, he's looking he's looking for missing girls. That's what he does. He tracks down missing girls, and uh, and uh, he you know things eventually because of his PTSD go completely off the rails. Mm. Uh, Blu-ray and uh, uh, digital copy uh, combo set. And uh, once again, this is from Lionsgate, and it says digital copy. It does not say ultraviolet. Mm. That is a that's a, a crucial thing. I want everybody to pay attention to that because um, when we were on the eve of movies anywhere happening, mm-hmm. all the companies that were eventually going to become part of ultra of uh, movies anywhere that were part of ultraviolet, they stopped using the ultraviolet logo. Mm. on the packaging they were in negotiations they were going to go movies anywhere and then movies anywhere was announced and it was like all these studios and you know Mm. that warner brothers and whoever now they're going to be part of movies anywhere so i'm going to try to read between the lines and Mm. say that the reason that they're not using the ultraviolet logo is because ultraviolet for lionsgate is about to cease to be a thing Mm. so that's my prediction and they're just getting out ahead of it getting out ahead of it uh tully you know this uh, this this was an interesting little little movie that had a little bit of um that had a little bit of heat there for yeah. a moment. Uh, Charlize Theron, uh, uh, Jason Reitman directing a, a Diablo Cody script, Mackenzie Davis, Ron, Ron Livingston. So you know this seemed like a right there in the pocket with Juno and some of the other Reitman sort of films up in the air. Charlize put on a whole lot of weight to play this uh, film uh, to, to play this role as this mother. Uh, whose brother, played by Mark Duplass, hires her a night nanny, someone to help her, Mackenzie Davis, at night take care of this baby. And she's, she sort of resents this young, beautiful woman uh, and, uh, and, 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 and all that she has going for her for a while there. But then they sort of strike up this neat little relationship, and it's sort of neat. Um, uh, little movies, very sweet. I wonder if folks will remember it as we move into the um, award season. It's a performance that I think is certainly worth thinking about in terms of awards. And Charlize was particularly good in the movie. Uh, anyway, here we have the Blu-ray uh, digital. Not a whole lot of bonus features. Just a little little uh, uh, bonus feature called The Relationship of Tully. The Relationships of Tully. That's about the only thing that's on here. So, you know, I wish it were a little bit more stacked. I think it was an interesting movie. And I remember li- uh, listening to Jason Reichman talk about it on NPR back when it came out. And his, his career has stalled a little bit, though. A little bit, yeah. You know, I think he's um, uh, up in the air was was such a such a, a big thing, and uh, well, with Juno, of Juno, he was the savant. That was it, and then up in the air kind of delivered even more. And then since then, I think he's been looking for material. Yeah, and you know, going back to working with uh, with her, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, it, it's he's he's kind of he's trying to find his next gear, and I don't think he's found it yet. It seems like he doesn't want to go big. I respect that. You, by now, yeah. the third film would have been a bigger movie. But you know, uh, since he made Up in the Air, 
uh, things have changed. Mm. We're now in you know Netflix and Amazon and a lot of things. I mean, the games the game has changed. Yeah. And um, if he doesn't want to do a TV show, he's going to have to probably go bigger. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to. Yeah. You know, he, he's going to have to swing a bigger bat. Uh, on Chesil Beach with uh, Shirsha Ronan and Billy Howell. Uh, I don't know, it might be Howley, uh, given the way that we pronounce all these names. But uh, anyway, this is based on a an Ian McEwan novel, and it is a very sweet film. Uh, I you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think this will probably be forgotten when award season comes around. But it's very sweet, very well acted, very well uh, put together. Basically, it takes place in 1962. The story of a couple. It's the usual thing, you know. He's uh, kind of a working class kid. She's from the uh, the good side of the tracks. And uh, they uh, they have a romance, and it is where that romance leads in their lives, and uh, the complications that ensue, and things that are peculiar to the era, that uh, make for a very very interesting and compelling story. It's very nice. Uh, it's not brilliant. It's not great. It's not sort of superlative, but it's for what it is. It's very very well done. It, it's funny though. You, you look at a movie like that with Sorcha in it, yeah, and uh, and uh, you know Lady Bird last year, sure. and a few other movies. Saw a main movie. Sorcha Ron is in this movie, but it didn't. It it I, I also the reason for award season it's going to vanish is that when you do two if you're a major actor or an actress and you yeah. do two films in the same year and one of them is splashier even if it may not be better that's the one that everyone that winds up zeroing in on and she has Mary Queen of Scots coming out later yeah. this year so that will uh, they're going to position that for Oscars so that will erase this in everyone's minds yeah. Uh, we also have Measure of a Man with uh, Donald Sutherland and Luke Wilson. This is uh, only on DVD, not on Blu-ray, and uh, this is a, uh, a Lionsgate. There is there's no uh, there's no digital copy on this, no uh, ultraviolet by another name or anything of the sort. Uh, this is just a this is just a, a straight up nice little um, kind of generic comedy that would have been a would have been something like The Sandlot or something uh, released in the 1980s. Uh, about a 14-year-old kid played by Blake Cooper uh, having an absolutely horrendous vacation and, uh, you know, everything in his life is going south. And uh, this is about his coming-of-age experience during that fateful summer. It's kind of a freaks and geeks thing, uh, you know, and, and Judy Greer is fine and Donald Sutherland, Luke Wilson, they all they create this great um, surrounding supporting cast for for Blake Cooper who rises to the occasion he's very very good very fun to watch so again nothing particularly great but it's perfectly diverting and a, a decent rental uh Kings was a neat little movie that I just thoroughly enjoyed Halle Berry Daniel Craig right yeah. this is one that I thought would, would, would so it's right? set in, yeah you know first of all with those names a, yeah you know and 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 they're good and it's a good film and yeah. it's sort of intense set in 1992 Rodney King riots are playing out you and I of course were both right here uh, I, uh, I remember talking to you and oh. everybody. Well, it, 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 I was in France, mm-hmm. and uh, the first thing was I called my mother and I said, "What?" The? Well, I, I had come back from uh, from uh, doing something with the the you know it's in Paris shopping. I don't know what I was doing. I was on my way to the Cannes Film Festival, staying with a friend of ours who lives just outside Paris, and I got back to to her place, and she says, "Oh." Things are happening, Chetois. <laughs> yeah. And I said, things are happening? What do, what do you mean things are happening? She goes, oh, it was that thing with the, with the policeman and the, and the young black guy. And I was like, I, oh. oh. And then man. I put it together, right, the way it's – and I turned the TV on. And it's smoke. I called yeah. my mother. I was like, what's going on? She says, oh, we're okay. And then I talked to you at some point. Uh, and I, and I, you said you, you were like oh I love a good riot you oh, went, you ran down oh I dragged <laughs> I jumped I jumped in the jeep and drove right with my camera and shot that ride I was on Vincent Chevelli's roof 
Vin, the actor Vincent yeah. Chiavelli. Yeah. Uh, if you look him up, you've seen the, the oh, actor. Yeah. And I happened to be interviewing for, of course, for Entertainment Today, you know, the paper that we yeah. were writing for at the time. Yeah. And Vincent uh, and I were sitting on his roof, and 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 and, and he said to me, "What's that?" Because uh, you, you know you're there, and I, I pointed out, it's like a fire. I'm like, it looks like a building's on fire there. And then he looked over my other shoulder. Well, then what's that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, that's a much bigger fire. <laughs> and we went in and started watching television. And I'm like, I think the interview is over, Vincent. Um, and he's like, I don't blame you. And uh, and and boy, Bridget was mad. Yeah. Oh, when I drove south instead of west, we were living in Westwood. Yeah. Oh, she was really that's my wife. She was really mad uh, that I went to the riots. But you know what? Got great pictures <laughs> of that riot, baby. Great pictures. Um, uh, so but anyway, Kings, very, Kings. very Kings did yeah. this movie, and it's very, very, it's a very good movie. Well done. Daniel Craig uh, placed his next door neighbor to Halle Berry and her several um, sort of adopted or false foster children. As the riots sort of uh, uh, start, go on, she leans on him for help. Now he's a white dude in the yeah. hood with this black lady and her several uh, uh, children, and he is there protecting her from the black community around her. It's a really sort of daring and intense sort of story. I liked it quite a lot. Um, so, Kings, check it out if you get a chance. Uh, that one shouldn't have been missed. A movie that should have been on Blu-ray and should have done better uh, is Stanley Tucci's Final Portrait. Yeah. I, I love Stanley Tucci, and he wrote and directed this, and um, it did it did not get the kind of backing that it should have. I'm thinking maybe award season, this gets a, another bite at the apple. I am hoping... Jeffrey Rush, Tony I mean, I mean, yeah, it's got, you know, some great interviews on here and, and some featurette stuff. The This is all about a an event that took place in 1964 when uh, sculptor Alberto Giacometti, who is extraordinary, if you've ever seen his stuff in museums, just go online, Alberto Giacometti, two Ts. Uh, when he, uh, he was uh, supposed to do a portrait for uh, the, uh, the uh, American uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, social... Figure, uh, he was a writer and a, and a big philanthropist and all that. Um, James Lord, yeah, and James Lord is played here by Army Hammer. Jeffrey Rush plays Giacometti, and uh, it was supposed to be just a commission, right? You know, sit down, that portrait, play bronze, boom, bomb. There you go, I'm mm -hmm. done. The thing, and instead, it became it dovetailed into something very different. The relationship became something very different, and it's really interesting and it's fascinating. And the uh, Parisian backdrops here are just absolutely gorgeous, and um, it it really it's a it it's it's amazing to me that this uh, that this did not uh, become a movie sooner. And full disclosure, one of the you know the company that made this this was partly financed by an Indian company. One of the executive producers, Deepak Nair, who my wife worked for, and I know very very well. So I'm I'm raving about a movie uh, produced by somebody that I know. If that's a conflict of interest, that's a problem. Well. Welcome to Hollywood. Well, yeah, but it's a good movie, and yeah. it's really strange how yeah. again Stanley Tucci, Tony yep. Shalhoub. I mean, come on, man. Yep. I don't, I, I don't quite get how that doesn't. I don't know. You know, I, this movie should have gotten a better, better bite at the apple because it is again a very good movie. Yeah. Um, uh, Dark Crimes, Jim Carrey film. Uh, very, very, very specifically, they 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 mentioned that this is from the producers of The Revenant and Black Mass. Yeah. It's a dark Jim Carrey film. Jim Carrey's been on his little dark. You know, I don't make comedies anymore. Bend, bent for a while now, uh, and and that's where we are here. This is uh, Charlotte Gainsborough, uh, uh, Martin uh, Saucus. Uh, 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 very very intense film. It's a it's a murder mystery. What we have here is a cop who's investigating uh, a, a murder. He finds that the murder matches the narrative in a novel. What happens in these murders are what happens in this novel. He goes looking for the writer of the novel, finds him, finds his girlfriend. 
they're involved in this whole sort of underworld, underground sex cult sort of mm. thing that they're doing. Uh, Jim Carrey, playing this sort of dark character, uh, slips into that and, and finds that he has some kinks of his own that he needs to work out. And then, you know, we, we, we work our way uh, through the story. Nothing that hasn't been seen before or captured on film before, nothing particularly intriguing. It's just Jim Carrey doing his serious actor thing. And I don't know. Uh, I hate to be one of those guys that says, "Man, I wish he'd go back to doing comedy." You know, you, you hate that. You know, yeah. no, do your thing, Jim. No, he's he's got to he's got to do his thing. Yeah, I yeah. mean, look, J Jerry Lewis did the King of Comedy, and yeah. that is a scary, serious role. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. We got a quartet of films here from Shout Factory, uh, and some of them are you know in in league with IFC, and uh, it's all really interesting stuff. So. The, here's, the, uh, here's the rundown. A couple of them are horror films. Um, Wildling probably should have been more of a thing uh, theatrically, but was not. In any case, uh, this movie in like in the 80s or 90s, and especially in the 90s, this would have been a, a straight-up cool theatrical release. Yeah. Wouldn't have been an IFC Midnight release. Wouldn't have been part of Scream Factory. But it is so uh, good on them for doing it. Basically, uh, Beth Powley, Belle Powley, sorry, Belle Powley plays a girl who... Uh, is well, look, she's a werewolf. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not gonna, yeah. you know, it's a, it's it's not a surprise. You, you, you're gonna know that going in. But the thing is, she doesn't know it. And yeah. Brad Dourif is this creepy, weird guy who raised her. Doesn't really know their relationship. And it's all about how she discovers her origins and who he is and who she is and all that stuff. It's coming of age of a werewolf girl. What do you yeah. want? A little it's little Tyler James Legros. Yeah, neat it's a neat little movie uh, directed by Fritz Bohm who I'm going to assume is some kind of a German guy uh, because he, is, he wrote the screenplay with Florian Eder, and those are totally German names. Yeah. So uh, good on them. Uh, come on, you know, get, let, let's, get this, uh, let's get this career going because you definitely got talent. Uh, Pie Whack It from the producers of The Witch. Uh, this uh, ta touts itself with a little sticker on it that says, see the film that was banned in two countries. I'd like to know what those countries were, because if those countries were, you know, Yemen and Oman, I, uh -huh. that doesn't really mean anything to me. They ban everything. Uh, so um, the film that was banned in two – it was a film that was banned in 37 countries. Then it Okay, now, now I'm impressed. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Piwacket, P-Y-E-W-A-C-K-E-T – uh, is uh, is pretty creepy. I got to be honest. It really is. This is one of those uh, occultish horror films that always creep me out. Like monsters don't do a whole lot for me. Um, gore doesn't do a whole lot for me. Slasher films, but whenever yeah. you get ghost movies and the occult and yeah, uh, the others, that kind the, of thing. Uh, yeah, g demons and uh, and wizarding and all that kind of stuff. Then I then I, then I freak out. Anyway, uh, so this definitely and and plus it's you know it's a teenage girl, which makes it even more terrifying to me because I'm a teenage girl when it comes to horror films. Yeah, me too. So uh, and the 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 name Piwack, it is a spirit, a an evil spirit. So. Um, you can fill in all the blanks. It's done very, very creepy. Uh, it's quite, quite good. Low Life is also an IFC and Scream, an IFC Midnight Scream Factory uh, thing that deals with uh, Mexican wrestling. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw it's, that one for the show. Yeah, this is this is kind of highly I mean, exploitive. Highly, it, exploitive. it really it's it's total grindhouse, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's really modern, straight up grindhouse. But uh, yeah, it's. You know, it's a, this guy just he's a he's a wrestler and he's got a, a face tattoo and uh, you know it deals with the really, really I mean it's all about people low life people it's yeah. nasty 
and it uh, takes place in Los Angeles, and it's really oh, gritty. there's and sex trafficking and it, it, and, dr- and and human trafficking. It's and, horrible, and there and and, and, and human uh, uh, parts trafficking. And yeah. Oh, it was just so horribly uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> but it's got some style. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one is a little uh, little uh, you know this is from Shout Kids called the Boxcar Children, Surprise Island. This is a lot more pleasant than the last three. Uh, this is uh, this is actually really kind of a sweet animated film with some really, really good voice work, uh, some surprisingly great voice work, J.K. Simmons and Martin Sheen in particular, who do a really, really, really good job, and Dane DeHaan, who I had forgotten was even there. He was like a thing for a minute and then went away. Uh, anyway, this is, uh, this is a bunch of kids who are staying with their grandfather for reasons we will explain later, uh, you know, having a, having a cool little island summer. And um, it's, it, it, it does things that a lot of animated films don't do, and it, uh, it goes a little deeper, and the voice casting is really good, and I, I thought it was really charming and sweet. So, and really interesting animation, too. Very, very interesting animation. Uh, the Boxcar Children, Surprise Island. Mm, interesting. Uh, so I have a movie here uh, that uh, it, it, a lot of people, Andrew DeVos and Karen Warren, but with Rooker Hauer, right? Now, this movie's called Blast. Here's the storyline. Uh, these people take over this, uh, uh, take, well, they take over the swim, the swim uh, uh, facility for the United States Olympics, and they kidnap the women's swim team, right? Uh, 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 and, and just inside this big building. Now you're gonna look at this. You're gonna look at this box, and you're gonna say, so "My goodness, that looks like the box for Die, Die Hard, <laughs> Because I swear to you, this movie is exactly that movie from beginning to end. Oh my god! Despite the fact that they sort of frame it in this peculiar, you have these guys. They take over this thing. That's and just they, straight they, up steals they, they, the. That steals just, the marketing about Die Hard. Just, everything. Just all the way down. Yeah, you look. Rooker Hauer is in it, and, and that's always gonna be good. But no, this is Die Hard, and why watch this if you? can just watch Die Hard. Terror has no limits. Blast. Uh, neither does this um, DVD. There's literally nothing on it but the movie, and you've seen this movie already. Got a couple of 4Ks here. Um, don't really understand why Marrowbone was given the 4K go-ahead. Uh, this was released originally by Magnet, which, you know, is, is the genre wing of Magnolia. It's out on 4K from Universal, who handles all the Magnolia stuff. And uh, it's a ghost movie. It's very, very creepy. It's got some great audio, which certainly benefits from the uh, the lossless uh, audio. And you know, 4K has the best audio there is. Um, it, written and directed by Sergio Sanchez, uh, who's a very, very good, talented director. But it still, it's, it didn't get a lot of traction in theaters. And it's a little curious that they would really uh, throw it out there with 4K and and think that that would uh, that would get it some traction. Anyway, it's uh, you know, it's four kids. Uh, from another country who uh, who have a ghostly experience once they come to America because, as we all know, all ghosts live in America. <laughs> there are no ghosts in other countries. They're all here. Uh, Everybody, there are no ghost stories that take place overseas. They're all, well, Japan. Yeah. I take it back. Yes, all ghost ghosts stories. in the world are in Japan yeah. and America except for the ones that are in Korea. So let yeah. me rewrite this. <laughs> all ghosts in the world are in Japan, South Korea, uh, and America. That's All of them. Yeah. That's where they are. Yeah. They just want to be in those three places. Uh, the other 4K <laughs> is uh, Transporter 3 with Jason Statham. You know, I got to tell you, Transporter 1 and 2 I thought were just horrible. Uh, but when I saw Transporter 3, that subplot where he goes and he gets a job working in, in a retirement <laughs> home in Miami 
and uh, decide decides uh. to when 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 he's when he's fetching porridge for that sweet old lady. It's the best. Uh. It's so heartwarming and touching. I couldn't believe it. Not a car anywhere in this movie. Uh. Not a car. No crime. It's just all human interest and heartwarming working with uh, old people. That's so funny. Actually, I take no, it all back. No. It's just it's more of the same. It's more of the same. Luke, Luke kicked those off. Bison, he kicked those off, right? That was that yeah. Was it's his company. Movie. That's his company. It's his yeah. company. And basically, that's one of those movies. Anybody look. If you hang on around with him long enough doing anything, Luke will eventually give you a movie to direct. I look, I I really like Jason Statham. I like him a lot. I especially like him in the in the uh, in the Stallone thing. Oh, the, uh, the, uh, the yeah, the Expendables. Yeah, Expendables movies. Uh, um, he is just completely going through the motions here. This is a paycheck. Yeah. He walks onto the set. He I don't even know if he's read the script. I'm sure <laughs> they do it with cue cards at this point. And uh, these movies have become so formulaic and so predictable and so tedious. That they're boring now. Yeah, it's just cars and explosions and guns and transporting and gear shifting and and the, you just you, you fall him asleep. Him with the gun and the girl and the thing and it's just no, it's uh, just no more of that, man. Yeah. Uh, Flora, interesting. 1929, right? Uh, yep. Which is sort of the end of the great period of exploration of the actual planet that we live on. You know, uh, Shackelford going here and and Perry going there and yeah. people going down to the Amazon, all that kind of stuff. So this film is set. Uh, during that period, um, uh, a group of young botanists go out into a world, out into the world, and particularly into the sort of North American forest, the frontier at the time, uh, to study the native flora. Yep. And what they uncover is a deadly organism. Uh, and now, what's interesting about that is that it's 1929. Yeah. Uh, and, and 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 they have to figure out a way to survive uh, this organism uh, coming into contact with, and not to bring it back uh, to the world. It's actually quite an, it, with 1929 yeah. technology. Yeah. It's actually quite fascinating and a lot of fun. Um, anyway, some special features on this uh, Blu-ray DVD. Uh, yeah, Blu-ray digital here, which includes a behind-the-scenes featurette and some deleted scenes and the commentary. Uh, with Sasha Luich Vukovic, Vukovic, I can't even pronounce yeah. anyway, whatever it is. Try. Um, yeah, and 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 a, and a few others. So, you know, I don't know. It's 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 sort of a neat movie. It's just one of those movies that uh, if you get a chance, you should, you should check it out. It's more fun than you might think. And we'll do uh, some television, and then see if we have any time left to maybe pile through a couple of docs. Uh, six season two which is all about the uh, SEAL Team 6. Um, you know, it's a dramatized, sort of glamorized version of uh, SEAL Team 6. Um, really interesting show. Incredibly authoritative. And I, uh, I find I, they're, they're putting a little bit more money into it. I really enjoy this show. This, is, uh, this show is created by and is uh, produced by uh, William Broyles and David Broyles, his son. Now, William Broyles, of course, is the, the Vietnam vet who became a bit of a big deal as a writer and then went on to co-create China Beach. He was mm-hmm. an advisor on a lot of films. Um, wrote Castaway for with with Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an Oscar-nominated screenwriter and a really really talented writer. And David Broyles, his son, is a Gulf War vet. Mm-hmm. So David is a, you know is also a Marine, and they they, they bring a, a you know a lot authenticity, of authenticity. Yeah. It really is the language, the dialogue. You, you, it's just really really a sharp show. Um, if you, I wish it was on Blu-ray. If you haven't seen it, uh, six. Is a great show on History Channel. This is season two, really, really terrific. Better in the second season than it was in the first. And then from Acorn TV is No Offense Series One. Oh, that's right, it's British because you see, offense is spelled with a C, not an <laughs> S. That's how you know you're really, really in for it here. Uh, anyway, this is just a great crime show, great British uh, crime show. Really, really good acting, really good writing. 
and uh, it's you know it's like it's like most of them. It's just uh, it's it's about it's like the the law and order of the, the UK. They got a great team of uh, of cops, and they're they're tough, and they deal with everybody. Every, you know all the nasty nasty people that are you know, the people from low life basically, except they're in the UK. It's all those same kind of people, the nastiest low lifes that you can find anywhere in uh, in England. And boy, it's uh, there's some really really good writing here. Really terrific cast. Alexandra Roach. Uh, who you may remember from uh, The Iron Lady, is sensational in this. Uh, she deserves to be a huge star and to get some movies. Really, really like her. And uh, also uh, Colin Salmon from Arrow, who's a really, really good actor. Uh, he's in this. I don't know how he does this and Arrow, but good on him. Uh, work, work both sides of the Atlantic for sure, man. Uh, counterpart part, I really, I really, this J.K. Simmons uh, series, I really, really love this series. First season of Counterpart. Um, this is this is what the, uh, so you got this guy, so like a low level sort of government yeah. worker. He works, he's doing he's doing anything. He discovers that there is another dimension, Ooh. and that this other dimension has an equivalent of him in it. And but that guy is a badass secret agent guy, and there is basically this sort of cold war thing going on between these two dimensions. Yeah, and he decides that he needs to bring his game up to his. Uh, doppelgangers game uh, in terms of the Cold War thing. It's really, really good. J.K. Simmons can really just not do, can do no wrong so far as I'm concerned. Uh, but it's neat. It's a, it's a really neat series. I think the uh, series returns in 2019. It's on Stars. Um, Counterpart. Complete season one. Check it out. And then uh, Alan Oh, Here ba- and Now. Here and Now. Alan Ball uh Continues to do really, really good work. Here and Now, uh, you know, was an original HBO show. Uh, doesn't really. Uh, it, this is still ultraviolet. I should point out the uh, they are st- HBO is not in negotiation like I ah, think Lionsgate yeah, yeah. is. They're, they're, they're on the back, which is yeah. weird because they're 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 part of Time Warner, mm. and Warner Brothers is on board with movies anywhere. HBO such bizarre no. autonomy. I don't really understand. It. Anyway, this is DVD and ultraviolet. Uh, Here and Now, the uh, the terrific new series from uh, Alan Ball, who just continues to do really, really good work. Uh, coming on the heels of Six Feet Under and True Blood. And uh, it's a great cast. It's great writing. It's probably more true to him. He's not trying to be quite so shocking now mm. as he was with True Blood. was yeah. a little bit like a poking, poking the finger at people. But um, it's a really good show. Tim Robbins finally shows up again. He's been gone for years. For a while, yeah. Should be directing movies, you know. Oh, Bob Roberts is just so, you know. Anyway, uh, and Holly Hunter. Uh, it's really, really good, and the, you know the ideas here. They're they're this couple who have these adopted children from uh, all different parts of the world, and then they have one child who's actually theirs, and uh, it's you know fill in the blanks. That's a that's a scenario for really, really interesting family drama. Yeah. So here and now, really good, really well written. Um, uh, we got to four PBS docs here, and then we'll uh, we'll call it quits after that. Uh, one of them on Blu-ray is just gorgeous. Uh, whenever PBS comes out with a Blu-ray, you know that it's it's going to be gorgeous. Yeah. This is from the uh, BBC Earthline, which most of their Blu-rays often are, and it's called Kingdoms of the Sky: Himalaya, Rockies, Andes. Tells you everything you need to know. They went and they took some amazing cinematographers and some great camera crews to the uh, these three remarkable mountain ranges, all very, very different. And they just shot the daylights out of them and the people that live there and um, juxtaposed it. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely fantastic. It's, uh, it's wonderful and insightful. And again, it's like the mountains are somehow not just a backdrop, but they're also a metaphor for the lives of the people that mm. live there in, in, a, in a beautiful and kind of poetic way. Uh, from nature, we have Shark Mountain, as long as we're on the subject of mountains. 
And uh, it's not really about a mountain. It's just it just sounds. It's a good title. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's not Shark Week. Uh, it's a little bit more adult than that, but beautifully shot. They probably should have done this on a Blu-ray. They didn't, uh, but it was. It's still really, really well shot anyway, and uh, a lot of wonderful underwater uh, photography of you know all these different kinds of sharks that that uh, kind of live around the volcanic reefs of Cocos, mm. and uh, it's lovely. I mean, not, not much else you can really say about it. Uh, also from nature is the world's most wanted animal. Do you know what the world's most wanted animal is? Mm, I'm going to say a puppy, but probably yeah, not. Yeah, no, not really. Mm. Not really. It's uh, a pangolin. Okay. Don't know what that is. <laughs> Pangolin. Pangolin. A pangolin is the most trafficked animal in the world. It's it's that thing that that scaly. Yeah. See, it's it's like an armadillo. Yeah. Right, and uh, it's like an ant eater. It's partly an ant eater, partly armadillo. It's kind of you know, it's in that vein. But it, well, but where it has, on the planet is that thing? Well, it, and they, ha- they it's scaly, right? It has like a scaly armor on it, mm-hmm. and it's rare. It's extremely rare. And uh, it is they be- it, as as always in parts of Asia, people think this thing has medicinal value. Yeah, okay. Right. It's all it's that ancient. Uh, oh, get me a pangolin and I'll bleed it and mix it with you know ginseng yeah. root or something, and it'll solve it'll cure gout. It's all that superstition that you get in those really rural parts of Asia where they they just need rare animals. And, and uh, anyway, it's a it's 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 a ver- ha- it, this is all about how they're trying to conserve it and how difficult it is to conserve it. And um, they, a lot of this is, is depends on, you know, like celebrities, mm-hmm. particularly in China, helping get the word out and say, stop killing endangered species yeah. for, 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 yeah. for medical cures yeah. that don't exist, that aren't real. Yeah. Because eventually you'll, you, or you won't have se- any. Or your sex drive. Yeah. Eventually you'll find out that you didn't need it, and by then there aren't any left. Yeah. And then lastly, Noble Wonders. Uh, which is a, you know, a, a, a new series. It's a new, it's not Nova. It's a new, it's a new series associated with Nova uh, that uh, takes a look at the scientific process in general. And uh, this has two discs and six episodes on it. What are animals saying? Uh, what's living in you? Are we alone? Can we build a brain? Can we make life? What's the universe made of? So this is... Uh, this is, you know, kind of a it's it's Nova associated, but it's uh, it's it's interesting. It's mm. it's like a new it's part of the Nova cinematic universe. And next we have superhero. Outstanding. Uh, that's what I think. So anyway, a lot of interesting stuff about just how things work, how the universe works. It's like Nova for I don't know. Uh, it's like what what was the uh, in the news? Remember in the news? Oh yeah. Grown ups. That was on TV on yeah, Saturday yeah. mornings back when Saturday in morning cartoons were educational. Like this is to Nova what in the news was to the CBS Cronkite. Uh, news. I'll get it. Yeah, I guess that's what best way to put it. All right. I'm looking at a pangolin here. I couldn't help myself. They're they're wild, right? Yeah. Crazy. Never heard of it, but it's the most traffic. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Everybody look Crazy. that up. I look pangolin, pangolin. Next thing you know, it'll be a great first name, and people will be naming <laughs> their kids uh, pangolin Johnson. Uh, uh, well, aren't you a cute little girl? Uh. Anyway, all right. With that, we are done. We will see you guys next week.
So just go ahead and send us an email to gods at digigods.com or uh, gods at cindygods.com with your uh, name and address in the body of the email and put red in the uh, in the subject line, just R-E-D, red, and it'll get to us. And uh, we'll pick four winners as long as you get it to us by Monday, August 6th. Uh, Monday, August 6th. We're going to give it two weeks because we don't have a show this next week. So Monday, August 6th. We'll give it two weeks, and we'll, we'll see you then.